Hello and welcome to Farfetched Stories. My name is Ariam Verberg and I'm your host on here. Before we dive into today's episode, I have two brief notes. First of all, I want to say that my mind and heart go out to anyone affected by coronavirus worldwide right now. I really hope we can pull together and find a solution. But as long as we don't have one, let's do the right thing. Don't panic. Take good care of each other. Stay in social isolation if you have to. And take the time to catch up with the Raven Stall if you haven't already. Secondly, I got a lot of messages from people listening on different apps that they'd like notifications for each new episode. And from now on, I'll be sending those out through newsletter. So if you want to be kept up to date and get notifications for each new episode, you can go to remverberg.com and subscribe there. And then I'll make sure that you get an email notification every time a new episode comes out. Last week, the Raven had an altercation with his new ward, Commander Kuros Laos, in which he discovered a secret and made an unexpected decision. This week, we'll get to see another side to Laos, but before the Raven can really get into that, fate pulls them in a different direction once again. This episode was written by R.E.M. Verberg, edited by Louisa Mitchell, and narrated by Diana Moore. Alex Liu provided the music. Once again, you can visit remverberg.com for all information. For now, enjoy, thank you for listening, and have a great day. The Raven's Toll Episode 5 Of Darkness and Light I'm going to kill him. I mean it this time. It had been three days, but the words wouldn't leave the raven's head. They tugged on his mind even now as he crawled through the low tunnel, four miles below the surface. T.A., is everything all right? Behind him, Kuras dragged his maglite along causing shadows to flutter across the coarsely hewn walls. He was slightly out of breath. Do you really think this is a good idea? Just a bit further, the raven said, and crawled on. The heat down here was suffocating, making his long hair stick to his temples. Unlike his normal black leathers, his new clothes were not suited to crawling around in tunnels. But he needed to make Kuraslas see the truth, before Zori showed him in a more violent way. Finally, they reached the part he'd known would come, where the tunnel widened again and bled into a high, rounded cave. Fresh air flooded the space. The Contellians who had built these places had done so with the intent of deterring intruders. They would probably have had a second, hidden entrance. That was, of course, before the war with the Covenant that had forced them to leave their underground settlements for good. Next to him, Kuras got up. Together, they rounded the last corner, followed closely by their two Contellian guards. All four of them turned up the dials on their maglites, widening the circles they cast across the cave. The raven heard Kuras suck in his breath. Near the opposite wall, three domes sat together, similar to the ones in Conli, delicate filigree shapes carved from tons of packed rock. Sparkling with fragments of gemstone, they were an impossible vision of lightness and space within the weight of the earth. The raven could hear the laughter of past children playing in front of their homes, 
the amicable banter of adults dividing the chores. But the domes were abandoned now, lost to darkness. Eventually, this ethereal place would break down and become solid and heavy once more. He averted his eyes. Kuras darted past him, eyes outstretched. How beautiful! Don't touch them! The raven barked. The commander stopped and turned, eyes gleaming in the flickering light. Why? They... they might be rigged. Kuras sighed deeply, but eventually returned to the raven's side. They're amazing, T.A., he said. Thank you for taking me here. He looked up, eyes wide with enthusiasm. When I was younger, I wanted to be a scholar, you know? The one good thing about my position is that I get to explore so many different cultures. What do you say we go to the library after this? Maybe you can show me more about Contel. The raven grimaced. You don't need the library. Different cultures are in front of you. Right here, right now. What do you mean? The utils? Kurask asked, incredulously. Of course. But they aren't... They don't behave like they would naturally. You mean, if you hadn't subjugated them and made them addicted to Magoi? That is astute, the raven said. He felt the shock of the guards behind them, but Kuras grinned. If you put it like that, I guess I do sound like an insensitive ass. Your words, not mine. Kuras smiled, but his face fell as he turned towards the raven. I do want to understand them, T.A. Really. Well, let's visit the mines, then. The Topaz dig site is close by. Kuras hesitated. If you want to understand your people better, you have to get close to them, the raven said. Would they still work for you without enslavement or addiction? He gestured towards the glistening domes. Or would they rather return here and live in peace? Behind him, he heard the Contellian guards shuffling nervously. Kuras frowned, mouth working as he stared at the domes. But that's not... We can't... He turned to the raven. This is the way it's always been. You can't expect me to change that overnight. The raven raised an eyebrow. All change has to start somewhere. And understanding people starts by seeing them as people. That's why you took me here, isn't it? You bastard. Kuras cleared his throat. I understand. But I'm really not sure how far we'll get, T.A., especially with those rumors of a new battle. But you will try, the raven smiled. Good. Now come to the topaz site with me. He turned on his heel and walked back into the tunnel. Behind him, Kuras cursed. Then the commander followed him, as the raven had known he would. The topaz dig site was closer to the surface, but still some two miles below Conley. A narrow shaft opened to a red, uneven glow coming from one side. Only the cheapest maglites were used down here, the ones that depleted quickly and left piles of non-degradable waste called crut. The air was thick with it, as well as with shouts and clangs of metal on rock. Utils and ankle shackles hewed chunks of rock from the walls, which they deposited in buckets and carts, to be taken up to the sorting station the raven had seen earlier. There were utils of different nationalities here, mainly Zornans and Contellians. They all looked exhausted. Their overseers carried short whips, spurring them on if they took too long to get from one spot to the next. The sight foreman saluted, but made no move to approach them. Clearly, Kuraslas did not command much respect down here. Kuras drew back. I... 
don't think this is the right place, he said, but he let the raven drag him forward. They hadn't taken more than ten steps before the raven saw what had made Kuras hesitate. At the back of the excavation site, a pickaxe in their hands, stood Zori. They were sweating, covered in grime, and looked like they hadn't slept in a while. They spotted Kuras and the raven straight away, shooting them a look full of hatred. A small, Zornan util boy pulled on Zori's hand, whispering something in their ear. Zori nodded brusquely, but didn't take their eyes off Kuras. An overseer, also Kantelian, moved in their direction. Come, the raven said, and steered Kuras away. He drove his fingernails into the palm of his free hand, keeping his emotions off his face. Kuras, next to him, was not as composed. Dreadful, he muttered as they wove their way through carts and piles of crut. I didn't know. I didn't know, T.A. The raven stopped. What else did you think would happen when you sentenced them to ten days in the mines? I don't know, Kuras threw up his hands. I didn't know it was this bad. You've never been to any of them, have you? Kuras blushed. My, my officers usually bring me reports. Before he could reply, the raven caught a movement behind them. Zori had followed them. They stood near a full cart of freshly cut rock in their hand. They aimed it at Kuras's head. Instinctively, the raven reached out with the skill, but stopped himself just in time. Instead, he fluidly placed himself between Kuras and Zori, without the commander even noticing. He caught Zori's eye and quietly shook his head. Zori stopped. They lowered their hand. The raven inclined his head, and the two of them exchanged a look. Then, Zori stepped back into their overseer's line of vision, and the raven led Kuras away. What did you do to them? the raven asked, later. The two of them were safely back in Kuras's library, another spacious room in his apartments. A large mag panel on the left mimicked the morning light so perfectly the raven expected to hear birdsong. Tizori? Kuras replied. He'd put his long legs up on the desk, leaning back in his chair. Nothing. I just liked the way she'd been running the household, so I bought her a dress. He ran his hands through his black hair, and some mine dust fell out. I only sent her to the mines because I couldn't have her disrespecting me. The raven took a deep breath. And yet, you keep disrespecting them. What? They're Contellian, he said. Contellians do not approach gender in the way we do. They don't see themselves as male or female. But... Kura stopped himself, blushing. What? The raven pulled up an eyebrow. You think you're the first Sornan commander to sleep with Contellian prostitutes? Caress's blush deepened. Well, you see, then... No. You're missing the point, the raven said. It's not about your viewpoint. Contellians don't subscribe to gender as a concept at all. The proper way to address a Contellian is by using they and them. Forcing Zori into a dress in front of you was a slap in the face. Caress huffed. Come on, T.A. She, I mean, they, are my servant. Do you know how many officers treat their servants much worse? The raven grinned sardonically. I'm sure that, if the tables were turned, and the Contellians employed you as a util, you'd find that a great comfort. I... Kuras' mouth fell open. Curse you, T.A., what do you expect from me? The raven leaned forward in his chair. Independent thinking, he replied. What do you think is fair? How do you want to treat Sori? For that matter... 
How do you want to treat the utils working in the mines for you? Kuros turned towards the mag panel, as if he was looking outside. Light played over his face. Slowly, he faced the raven. I don't like to admit it, he said, slowly, but I think you have a point. He was cut off by a piercing, buzzing sound. Its vibrations were so low that it made the water and the tasteful fish bowls ripple. What is that? the raven asked. It's a call to arms. You know that battle I mentioned earlier? Goras buried his face in his hands. It's starting, 